Good morning, church. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. That's right. And as it is, my uh, yearly indulgence, as it may be, on Father's Day, what do you get when you cross a rabbit with a shellfish? An oyster bunny. Yeah. What did the duck say after she bought chapstick? Put it on my bill. What did the drummer call his twin daughters? And a one and a two. Come on, that's a good one. What did the three-legged dog say when he walked into a saloon? I'm looking for the man who shot my pa. Come on, it's Father's Day. Dad jokes. Did you know that Father's Day is a made in the USA holiday? Which means we didn't borrow it from another country or something like that. Not only that, I don't know if you knew this or not, Father's Day is a made in Washington State holiday. Yeah? Y'all learned something new. Father's Day originated in 1908 in Spokane, Washington. There was a woman named Sonora Dodd, whose father was an American Civil War veteran named William Jackson Smart, and she held high esteem for her father because he had raised all the kids after the mother died giving birth to Sonora. And one Sunday morning at church, when they were giving a sermon about the newly recognized Mother's Day, which started around that time, Sonora felt strongly that fatherhood also needed recognition. So she approached the Spokane Ministerial Alliance, and she asked that a sermon be preached that was dedicated to the ministry and the influence of the father and his spiritual responsibilities as God's man in the home. And she just suggested her own father's birthday of June 5th. The Alliance instead chose the third Sunday in June, and thus unofficially, Father's Day was born. The observance of Father's Day would fade in and out over the years. They say in the 20s, no one really observed Father's Day at all. Pretty much disappeared, but eventually it would come back and would catch on. And then Father's Day became an official holiday in 1966 when President Lyndon B. Johnson signed a presidential proclamation declaring the third Sunday of June as Father's Day. And then 1972 when Richard Nixon established it as a permanent national observance. Now, I say that, and I say this somewhat jokingly, but... Father's Day is not recognized as it should be. I mean, you look at any list of holidays, and it kind of starts like this. Christmas, Mother's Day, right? And I've heard it said like this, Jesus and your mama, okay? (laughs) And then you have Veterans Day and Memorials Day and Arbor Day and Columbus Day and Halloween and Cinco de Mayo and April Fools and whatever other holiday they want to throw in there. And then you got Father's Day. What? <laughs> Father's Day should be right there, right underneath Mother's Day. I, I won't put it above Mother's Day. <laughs> right underneath Mother's Day, right? 
I mean, you wouldn't have Memorial Day and Veterans Day if you didn't have fathers. Just saying. A lot of that. I'm not insulted or anything. But fathers, this is for the fathers. I don't want you to be discouraged by the fact that Father's Day isn't celebrated like it should be. If the world doesn't quite understand the importance of Father's Day, I mean, it did take over 60 years for it to be recognized as a national holiday, and it only took six years for Mother's Day. If everyone continues to downplay and ignore the importance of Father's Day, understand this. Understand this one thing. God created men for a purpose. God made us fathers for a purpose. And with that, we have a unique God-given mission. Should you accept it? That is of the utmost importance, right? It's a mission to serve. It's a mission to lead. It's a mission to be a role model for your children. It's a mission to fight and protect. It's a mission to love. That's our mission. It's a mission to act like men. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Our verse is really simple. It's right there on the screen. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And it says this. You can read it. <laughs> be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the importance and the, of your word in our lives and how we need to follow it and how we need to listen to what it says and apply it to our lives and walk in that. What it means for us to be men, what it means for us to be fathers, especially in today, in today's culture, in the world we live in today. So I thank you for this. I pray your spirit speak it to us this morning, Lord. Your spirit speak the message. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I saw a video recently of two gentlemen I know. One is a young pastor, and the other is now life coach or something. Last time I saw him, he was helping with worship. Now he's a life coach. I'm not sure where, what quarter he went around. And it was about masculinity. The video was about masculinity. And I would tell you the title, but I couldn't find it again. But anyway, I start listening to it because I know the guys. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting kind of talking about this on Sunday. I want to hear what they have to say. And right off the bat, I'm not going to tell you who it was. The pastor says, masculinity is not defined in the Bible. And then I shut the video off and quit watching. <laughs> I don't have a, a really good patience <laughs> when it comes to things like that anymore. Anyway, I want to tell you that masculinity is defined in the Bible. And you know, it's, it's not just words, it's example. It's not just the good, it's the bad. All of it's in there. There's great examples of masculinity. There's terrible examples of masculinity. It's, it's all in the Bible. Now, I understand, and I don't want to be mean, but I understand why people might not want to say that. It's called cowardice. That's why people don't want to say that. And the reason it's cowardice is just because they're scared to admit what the Bible actually says about masculinity and how it flies in the face of how the culture wants today, how men today need to behave according to what the culture says. And they don't really want to stir the pot up, right? I don't mind. I don't have a problem with that, right? So these verses right here from 1 Corinthians, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. 
they go against culture. They go against culture. So this is what we're going to talk about. And just because I'm applying this, of course, it's Father's Day, so this is to the fathers and to the men. There's application for you women. Don't think I'm leaving you out, okay? This applies to you too, but I am going to direct it more to fathers. And also I want to point out this. When I say father, I, I really sort of mean dad. And you say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is this. There's a lot of men who have fathered a lot of children, but have never been a dad. And on the other side of that coin, there's a lot of men who have never fathered the children, yet are dads. So when we're talking about fathers, we're talking about dads. We call them fathers too, but understand the difference. Okay? You can work that out. I know you understand. So you should already understand this. What the Bible says, of course, about being a man, act like men, directly translates, of course, to being a father. When you're a man and you grow up and you become a father, you don't quit being a man. You don't lose your manhood. Matter of fact, it becomes more important now. It becomes more important. It puts a little extra emphasis on the importance of how God wants you to act, how God wants you to be, how God wants you to walk. So let's take a look at what these two verses say. First thing it tells us here is to be watchful. Look, guys, we're pretty good at watching, you know, sports or pick your favorite subject. I don't know what it is. It's not sports for everybody, right? But, I mean, if the game is on and we want to watch it, we're good at setting, up, setting aside time, right, to watch it. If there's something we want to see, we're good at watching it. We're not always good at being watchful because being watchful doesn't just mean keep your eyes open, right? Don't be asleep. It does mean that. I mean, that's literally part of what it means in the Greek. It means be awake, right? Be alert. The Greek word is Gregorio. This is a, a, it's basically saying a man should have a watchful eye, and this is a, a key component to the anatomy of a godly man. Right? So be alert, stay awake. What it's saying is don't fall asleep on the job, that's one of the things it's saying. Don't fall asleep. Don't become spiritually blind. Remember, we've been going through Genesis. If you remember, we talked about this when we talked about Isaac. Okay? Isaac, in his old age, became spiritually blind. He was physically blind too, but he became spiritually blind in the, in, with his kids. And we saw how that worked out in his relationships with Jacob and Esau and how no one really trusted each other and everyone was very deceptive and all that. Don't become spiritually blind. It comes disastrous. Don't fall asleep on your watch. When is your watch over? Fathers, when is your watch over? Never. Never. Exactly. Thanks, Mom. Right. Father's watch is never over. Just because your kids moved out, they live somewhere else and they're raising their own kids, doesn't mean your job's ended. It doesn't end. So don't fall asleep on your watch. Right. That's when the enemy creeps in. It is. First Peter 5, 7 through 9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Does Satan stop? No. He continuously does that. Right? So you be watchful, and you train your kids to be watchful. 
You train your sons to be watchful so that when they grow up and they're raising their kids, they're being watchful, right? We need to be watching out for that, for the deception, for our adversary, the devil. We also need to be watching for the Lord's return. There's two, many ideas about being watchful. Watching out for the Lord's return just means paying attention to the signs and, and the times that we live in. Understanding that the Lord's return, I mean the rapture, Any day, right? Any time. Even more so as the day approaches. And with that, have your family prepared and ready. Have the bags packed. Be ready to go, right? Be ready to go. And all of this comes under the idea, of, of course, of being a watchman. If you know the idea of watchman, which comes from the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, the watchman had a unique vantage point because the watchman usually stood up in a situation. They had many different areas where watchmen stood, but if the watchman was standing at the gates, for example, uh, up on the tower or some sort of vantage point like that, he had this unique vantage point in which he could see the coming dangers from outside the town, and he could also see what was going on behind him in the town as well. He could see everything around him. So he could see the dangers that were coming and the dangers that were already here. He knew what was happening. He kept an eye on it all. It was the watchman's job to alert the town for what, about what was happening. That's what your job is. Be watchful. Be on guard. Don't be sleeping. Don't be ignorant. Don't be lazy. Right? Be vigilant. Which brings me to the second thing it says there, which is stand firm in the faith. The two go together, Right? So as you're being watchful and you're alert and you're ready, stand your ground. Don't abandon your post. Don't abandon your post. Too many fathers have already abandoned their posts. Don't abandon your post. Don't run away. Stand firm. It means persevere or persist. Because the times are going to get tough. You've got to persevere through them. If you're weak, which is the opposite of strong, when those times come, you might feel to do just that. Well, you know, I'm going to step down from this post, right? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I've heard too many stories about kids, right, raised in that type of a situation where the dad fathered them and then turned around and all they remember is his back walking out of the picture, right? They abandoned their post, thankfully, right? Other people stepped into their lives and became the dad, right? So don't run away. This word in the Greek comes from a root meaning to establish yourself. And what it means is, is, is basically your feet are in cement. You understand? You have planted them firmly and they are not moving. They are not going to move. You have established yourself in faith. Because it doesn't say establish yourself in the world. It doesn't say stand firm in the world. It says stand firm in your faith. So establish yourself. Stand firm in your faith. Right? Stand firm in God's word. Stand firm in the truth of the gospel. Right? Your feet, another component of godly anatomy. Right? Your feet are cemented in the gospel. They're cemented in the gospel. And no matter what, you're not going to be moved. No matter what. 
According to Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God, Ephesians 6, 15 says this, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, right? Stand firm in that. The gospel of peace, be ready, be alert, be watchful. But you're standing firm and you're not going to be moved because you have planted yourself in God's word. Nothing's going to move you from that. Nothing. So stand firm in the grace of God. Stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, it tells us. Stand firm. God's word tells us that if we do not stand firm, right? if the foundation of our lives is not built on Jesus, then we're going to be tossed back and forth. We're going to be thrown to and fro by all the deceitful and deception right, of the world. So stand firm in God's word. Thirdly, it tells us to be strong. Now, men, I just want to tell you, this doesn't mean you have to start a workout regiment, okay? <laughs> this doesn't mean you need to go to the gym and start lifting weights. And I mean, if you want to, you can, right? That's all up to you. But it doesn't mean you have to start pumping iron, right? What's that Schwarzenegger there? It's a documentary of Schwarzenegger on Netflix right now. Talk about pumping iron. The guy's ridiculous. The sad thing about Schwarzenegger is he doesn't believe in God. His daughter does. He has a daughter who's a believer. She's married to Chris Pratt. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, you don't have to, you, this isn't meaning you need to be Schwarzenegger. Like I said, it's not about your physical strength. It's about the opposite of that, actually. You don't need to be Chuck Norris. I know I date myself, right? When I talk about that, I mean, Chuck Norris makes onions cry. Chuck Norris uses pepper spray to spice up his steaks. Right? Chuck Norris grinds his coffee with his teeth and boils the water with his own rage. That's Chuck Norris. My favorite Chuck Norris joke of all time is in the movie Expendables 2. And it's told by Chuck Norris himself. Because he's in the movie. Chuck Norris and Schwarzenegger and Stallone, all the old guys who shouldn't even be doing those anymore. Right? He's in that movie and he shows up and, and uh, Stallone says to him, he says, I heard the rumor that you were bitten by a king cobra. And Chuck Norris says, yes, it was. But after five days of agonizing pain, the cobra died. <laughs> it's my favorite Chuck Norris joke. Because it was told by Chuck himself. You don't have to be Chuck Norris. When it's talking about being strong, that's not what it's saying. It's actually saying the opposite. Because it's not telling you to be physically strong. It's telling you to be strong in the power of God's might. Right? It, it's saying, it's talking about your spiritual strength. Right? Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the grace that's found through Jesus, as it tells us in 2 Timothy. The Bible tells us that Jesus' weakness is stronger than man. Right? His weakness is stronger than man. So it doesn't matter how physically strong you get, you'll never be as strong as Jesus. So don't rely on your own strength. Rely on the strength of God. You're never going to beat Jesus at arm wrestling anyway. Right? Be strong in Jesus. Come to him in your weakness and rely on his strength. Be strong. Right? I don't know if you've noticed, but those three things that we talked about, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be strong, these are actually military terms. You're in the Lord's army, men. These are military terms, right? Be watchful, be on your guard. Don't be surprised by your enemies. Stand firm, stay in your ranks. Don't run, be strong. 
And then lastly, what it tells us to do here, it says, let all that you do, right? Let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. All four of these main points surround, all four of these surround the main point, which is act like men. Right? So what does it say? That's a definition of masculinity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Act like men. That's acting like men. That's biblical masculinity right there. Right? But how it ends is very important because none of the other matters unless you can do them in love. Understand? You have to be watchful in love. You have to stand firm in love. You've got to be strong in love. Everything needs to be knit together in love. Right? You've got to look in love. You've got to walk in love. You've got to speak the truth in love. It all has to be done in love. Right? You know 1 Corinthians 13 that says you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Right? You can, you, can, you can have all the faith to move mountains, but if you have love, you have nothing. If you give away all that you have and deliver your body up to be burned, but you don't have love, you've gained nothing. You've got to have love. It all has to be done in love. So do all these things in a meek, humble spirit of love. And we can do all of this in love because the Bible also tells us there is no fear in love. So we can do all this because there is no fear in love. So therefore we're not afraid. So men and fathers, do all that you do in love. Act like men. Act like men in the Greek is one word. And it basically can also be translated courageous. Some Bibles translate it this way, courageous or brave. And it works, that's fine. Because that's all part of acting like men. Brave, strong, courageous, standing firm, unshakable. It's acting like men. There was a sociologist, and I didn't get his name. I, I was I listening to this on a podcast, and he was incredibly in demand as a speaker, and he traveled all over the world. Um, but he's not a Christian. But one of the things that he uh, addresses is this uh, worldly attack that we have on masculinity. And so as he travels around the world, he asks young men, he says, what does it mean to be a good man? What does it mean to be a good man? And this is what they said. Almost everywhere he went, right? This was the answer. It was almost unanimous. They almost they all said the same thing. A good man is all about honor. A good man is all about duty. A good man is all about integrity. He's all about sacrifice. He's all about taking care of the little guy. He's all about loving. He's, he's, you know, he's got a tender heart, yet he's strong. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's responsible. That's the picture they painted. No matter what country he went to, no matter what men he asked, young men he asked, he said, what is a good man? That's what they said. That was the picture they painted. And that picture is a picture of godly masculinity. That picture is ingrained in us where people don't even have to have a Christian upbringing and you ask them what a good man is and that's what they'll tell you. They know that inherently. You can ask them, how do you know that? And they say, I don't, that's just what a good man is, right? They just know this. That's a picture of godly masculinity. But today it's a problem. Today it's a problem. 
because we aren't supposed to mention the word masculinity. Because masculinity today is considered to be toxic. Right. I brought my toxic hat. You know, I thought it was perfect. Wear my toxic hat while I'm talking on this. Toxic masculinity. Today it's considered, masculinity is considered to be toxic. Toxic as in poisonous, right? Toxic as in harmful and noxious and malignant and deadly, right? I mean, if we, if we pay attention and only listen to the mainstream media, we as men are going to, we're going to find out that, that we're just angry, disgruntled, and violent. One could argue, though, that if masculinity is toxic, then it's really not masculinity, A few years ago, the University of Texas declared that masculinity was a mental health issue. Now, they caught a lot of flack for that at the time. This was 2018, I think. Today, they would probably be given you know, a Medal of Honor or something. But back then, you know, not that long ago, before COVID, they got a little flack for it. Right? But, but the truth is, is that we're living in a world, and certainly we're living in a nation, that's launched an attack against the family, that's launched an attack against marriage, that's launched an attack against the home, that's launched a, an attack against women and, and against men and against mothers and fathers and dads and moms. We talked about this on Mother's Day, right, with our message, what is a mother? The world can't define what a woman is, so... You know, and their definition of man is, you know, angry and toxic and violent. They say traditional masculinity. Now, mind you, traditional masculinity, just in case you wanted to know what that was, is that's the soldiers who stormed the beach Normandy. Okay? That's traditional masculinity. The White House doesn't put up a flag to celebrate that on Veterans Day. But they do on Pride Day put up the pride flag for the country to bow down to. Higher than the American flag, by mind you. But traditional masculinity, they say, promotes violence and it promotes sexual assault and increases psychological problems in men. They say it increases stress and substance abuse. They say masculinity is harmful to society as a whole. We wouldn't have a society. And just so, just for the record, so toxic. I mean, there is, don't get don't get me wrong. There is toxic men. There are toxic women too. There's toxic trans people. I've seen their pictures. I've seen them on the front lines yelling at the parents who are speaking against their agenda in elementary schools. There's to- every. Everyone has a chance to be toxic if you allow it to go there. I'm not trying to cover up evil. The thoughts of the hearts of men are evil continuously. The Bible tells us that. That phrase has been around for more than just the last few years when it's gained popularity. It's been around for quite a while. But today that phrase has been twisted to mean something else entirely from when it first was used, specifically in the last few years. 
All right, today is fra- the phrase is used to tear down and attack godly men who stand on and live by God's word. Today that phrase is used to attack men who are, who are brave and godly. That's what it's being used for. I've said this before. A heterosexual, married man with children, a father, right, who puts their faith in Jesus is the biggest threat to the culture in which we live. Right? You are the public enemy number one. Serious. And many in our nation today believe that masculinity is a social construct. That, you know, behaviors and attributes are, are learned, taught, passed down from father to son and so on. Right? I'm told that the three worst words that you can say to a boy are, be a man. Right? Along with things like, it's only a flesh wound. And, and you know, man up. Right? Men don't cry. Boys will be boys, etc. Not supposed to say these things, I guess. They say it's enabling stereotypical manly destructive behavior or something. I'm not so sure about that. So today we're told that men need to cast aside all these rigid gender roles, harmful sexist behaviors, and neuter themselves and transition into being women. And I'm not just saying that they want men to explore their more feminine side, right? And be more emotional. Trust me, I've never been more emotional since I've been a Christian. I have cried like a baby more times than I can admit. <laughs> what they're really saying, they literally just want men to become women, right? It's demonic. It's what it is. There is a level of hostility towards men today that's become acceptable. Just reading some book titles on Amazon, they say things like, why can't we hate men? You know, My New Year's resolution is to hate men. There is a quote that says, talking about healthy men is like talking about healthy cancer. James Cameron, who's directed three of the top five highest grossing movies of all time, said testosterone is a toxin that needs to be worked out of your system. I don't think you can work testosterone out of your system. (laughs) It was given to us by God. It's part of our design. I'm not sure how you do that. Maybe there's a surgery for it. <laughs> anyway, so lies the rub. Right? We men, we fathers, live in a world today that has two competing scripts, as it were, about what it means to be a man. Which, of course, directly translates into what it means to be a father. But the truth is there's really only one definition. There's really only one definition of what it means to be a man, of what it means to be masculine. And let me tell you, it's not toxic. It's godly. Masculinity is not defined by your workout regimen. It's not defined by how much you bench press. It's not defined by the car you drive. It's not defined by how much hair you have or don't have in my case or Dale's case. Or, right? It's not defined by how shaped your beard is, right? I mean, some of those guys today, specifically in the church, some of those guys, woo. They got some really nice reformed beards there. <laughs> but it's not, it has nothing to do with that. That's not masculinity. It has nothing to do with masculinity, right? Masculinity is defined by God because it's given by God. Right? God designed men to be a certain way for a certain reason. 
God designed men to be the head of their house, to be the leaders of their family. He put them there purposefully because that was his plan. And it said, and if you're a godly father, then you're called by God to live a life devoted by God. And in that, you're to be watchful and you're to be strong and you're to be brave and courageous. You're to stand firm in your faith. You're to oppose evil. You're to protect your family and your children. You're to speak the truth and you're supposed to do it all in love. That is acting like men. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, if the world wants to define godly masculinity as toxic, because God's word stands in opposition to their immorality, then so be it, right? Let them define it that way. I tell you this right now, don't apologize. Don't apologize for who you are in Christ. Don't let the culture define masculinity. Don't let them distort it. Stand firm in the word of God. So don't apologize. If they want to call it toxic, they can call it toxic. But you can tell them, no. This is based on God's word. I follow Jesus. And this is how the, his word defines masculinity. This is what we're doing. If you don't like it, so be it. The truth is, whether our culture wants to admit it or not, is this. And I heard this quote on Prager U video. It says, if all the slackers of the world disappeared... The video game industry would collapse overnight. But if all the Ward Cleavers of the world disappeared, and I know everybody knows who Ward Cleaver is, right? Not getting too far back that we don't understand that. (laughs) If all the Ward Cleavers of the world disappeared, in other words, masculine fathers who stood up for the family and for their kids, right? Civilization would collapse. They would. Fathers, we need to understand that our kids need to know that their home is safe. They need to know and they need to understand that you are looking out for and protecting them. When it says stand firm in your faith and be watchful and be strong, that's a wall that your kid can stand behind and be protected. Kid needs to know that you're not going to just run away. Kid's going to know that you're there to defend them and protect them. Kid needs to know that because that gives them a confidence that they need to grow up in the world in which we're living in. I mean, your kids may not pay attention when they're crossing the road, but you are, right? I mean, I go on a walk. We walk every once in a while, not as much as we have been, but I mean, we walk around the block with our kids. They grumble and complain the entire way. I can't believe you're making me go outside. Ah, I'm going to die. Right? And we go around the block. And I can't keep up with my kids, just so you know, understand. My kids can walk 10 times faster than I can on a good day, right? I mean, I've been taking Hudson to work with me during, I mean, school's over now, but get a little bit of a break, but he came to work with me two times a week for the last school year. And when we walk over the Safeway for lunch, we'd come outside and start walking over the Safeway and he's gone, right? I meet him at Safeway. I can't keep up with him. He's not walking fast. He's just walking. I'm slow, right? (laughs) I am slow. I'm old, right? I've gotten old and I can't walk as fast. But when I'm walking outside with my kids, let me tell you this, I'm paying attention to what's around. 
I'm paying attention to who else is walking on the street. I'm paying attention to the cars are driving by. You right? You know, to put it in other terms, right? I know I, I'm, I'm looking for the exits. I know the safest route out in the case of emergency. I'm sizing up everyone. Right? It's never a casual calm walk for me. I mean, quite frankly, because I'm always on the lookout. I'm like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, no, and nothing ever happens yet, thankfully. Thank the Lord, right? But that's just way my mindset. Maybe your mindset, guys, is, you know, is the same way when you're out that you're always, you know, there's not, someone could be two blocks away and you could see him and you're thinking, okay, what's that guy going to do? Right? You're sizing up everyone as they walk past your kids. Well, it should be the same. Even if your kids moved out, now you're sizing up everyone who, who comes in contact with your grandkids or your great-grandkids or, or whatever. Anything that you have control over, you're paying attention to. Who is it that you're talking to? What is it that you're learning? What are they telling you? Where did you learn that? Who taught you that? Who's speaking into their lives? It should be you. Paying attention to the information they're taking in? You're running background checks and all those guys who might want to date your daughter? <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, guys, anybody who wants to come and date your daughter, my daughter's only 11. We're not there yet. I'm prepared, though. Anybody who wants to come and date your daughter should have a healthy fear of you. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with that. They should come into that house trembling. <laughs> they should. <laughs> Right? Because they should know that you love your daughter. That you're there and protect your daughter. And if anything goes sideways, their life's in jeopardy. They should just understand that the moment they walk in the door. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with letting them know that. I'm Thankfully, I'm a few years from that. But still, I'm going to do that in love, just like it says. Threaten them in love. <laughs> Not really. I'm not really going to do that. I'm just, but you know, it is kind of right. But here's the truth: godly masculinity is not toxic. Amen. It's not because godly masculinity and God's word and His purpose for us as a men and as fathers is to oppose toxicity, right, and stand against all those things against evil. So, dads. What do we do? Well, we just have to live by example, right? We just have to show our children what true godly masculinity looks like, right? We have to raise our children in the truth of God's word. We got to teach them how to stand, teach them how to be strong in the Lord, teach them to be watchful, like I said, teach them to love others as Christ loves us. Let them know that all things need to be done in love. But they also have to understand what love is. Because love is not enabling sin so we as fathers just need to act like men and not be ashamed of it despite what the world's trying to tell us how dare you be masculine how dare you be a man how dare you stand up for these things I'm always encouraged when I see the, you know, the videos online of the fathers who showed up at the PTA meetings speak you know the guy who gets up and reads the book from the elementary school library that's so pornographic that the school board tells him to quit reading it. And he's like, what's your problem with this book? It's in your library for the kids. Are you embarrassed to hear it? You're letting them check it out, right? Well, we need more of that. 
We need to stand firm. We need to be watchful. We need to be strong. And we need to do it all in love. We need to act like men. And today, that's a tough job. It's never been an easy job. But it's different today. It is a little different today. Just because of the demonic acts that are going on in the world around us. That have escalated at such a speed and such a pace that we can't even keep up with them. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's always been immorality and deception, but just not to the degree that we've seen it in this way. And then, and now the attacks are just increasing. They're trying to pass a bill down in California right now that if, as a parent, if you don't agree with your child's transitioning, if you don't agree with that whole thing, the whole agenda, then you can be, that's considered an abusive parent. It can be considered an abusive parent. And just to tell you how serious it is, you know, there's a lot of churches down in California that are fighting the fight. I mean, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, Jack Hibbs, a lot of these churches down there, uh, James Cadiz, Signal Hill. I mean, they're, they're, they're showing up at meetings, they're showing up at you know, city hall stuff. They're, they're doing all kinds of things. And they've won some, some really good battles. And they've, you know, there's been a lot of victories down there. They're not fleeing. They're not running. They're staying and, and, and fighting the fight. But with this last bill that they just uh, introduced about parents going to be able to call it abusive parents if they, just, if they just don't agree with it. It has nothing to do with, you know, anything else. If you just say, you know what, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the whole thing. I, you shouldn't be, your girl shouldn't become a boy. Your boy shouldn't become a girl. I don't agree with that. This republic, this legislator guy, he stood up and he said, listen, we've stood and fought for a long time. He says, but I'm telling your parents now, it's time to leave. Now this wasn't, you know, this wasn't the church saying that. Jack Hibbs wasn't saying that. No, those pastors down there were saying that. They didn't say it was time to leave. But this one guy, that's where it's gotten. There's a, there's a breaking point, Right? That, that, that's hit that state now where people are already leaving in the droves anyway. I mean, U-Haul has a great business down there. Uh, but, but now it's, it's gotten to a point where the, the Christians in that state are like, it's, I'm done. I'm done. Well, we say, well, that's California. Right? That's California. Doesn't bother me. Well, you know, as goes California, goes Washington State, right? We're the, mini, we're the little California in that sense. Uh, they don't have a law like that up here, but they already did pass that law where they can take your kids from you, right, if they, if they want to transition, and they can put them in another house, and you don't even get to know about it. That's already a law here in Washington State. So all that, I just tell you, it gets, it's, it's getting tougher. But you've been called by God for a specific purpose. He's given you a specific purpose as a man and as a father. And that's it right there behind us. There's lots of verses and lots of different sections that you can look up and read to understand biblical masculinity, but it's really defined very simply right there in those two verses. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. That is acting like men. So fathers, act like men. Even more so as the day approaches. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you just speak these words to us and that you just 
work these words out in our heart. It's not just for the men and the fathers, Lord. It's for all of us. We all need to be standing firm in our faith. We all need to be watchful. We all need to be strong in the Lord. We all need to be doing this in love. So I pray, Lord, that you continue to strengthen us and empower us to do just that. As the days are getting darker and the days are getting more evil, it's, we're getting, I mean, understandably more depressed. But where's our hope lie? It lies in Jesus. Where's our security? It's in Jesus. Where's our safety? It's in Jesus. Where do we need to be? With Jesus all the time. We need his strength. We need him to root us and grow our faith and strengthen it so that we can stand firm. We need Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we just continue to seek you out and draw closer to you because drawing closer to anything else is not going to work. We just have to be with Jesus right now. And I pray, Lord, with that, that we'll just continue to be a light and point people to the hope that's found in Jesus because there's so many people right now that are confused and downtrodden, you know, brokenhearted, trying to figure out what's going on in the world right now. I just don't get it. Well, God's word speaks to it. And our blessed hope is in Jesus. So I pray, Lord, that we can just continue to point people to Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we just continue, for us men and for us fathers, Lord, that we just continue to act like men. Don't listen to the world. Tune out the world. Listen to God and his word. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.